Jewish Latin Princess, episode 109, talking about money at a meeting of the minds with creative entrepreneurs Barry Mitzben, Hani Aaron Troy, and Francisca. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. Shana Tova, everybody. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Today, I have a special episode for you. I am kicking off the new year, getting together with creative entrepreneurs and fellow podcast hosts, Hani Aaron Troy, Barry Mitzman, and Francisca. What did we talk about? Well, something that is not often discussed, but as you will see from our conversation, or rather hear from our conversation, it's actually quite important, money and our financial lives. This is the first of a series of collaborations that the four of us did together. We've called them Meeting of the Minds. And I look forward to being on their respective shows. Khani hosts the podcast Boss Madel, Barry hosts the Woman of Valor podcast, and Francisca hosts the Francisca show. So be sure to check those out and you will catch me there in the next three weeks or so, give or take some changes with the choppy Tishrei schedule. Um, And we'll be speaking about different topics. And as I said, the topic that I cover with these ladies today um, is money, personal finance. And I have to tell you, these ladies were brave. My, My guests were just absolutely awesome and bold and brave. First of all, we kicked it. We kicked the first series of four meetings of the minds with probably the hardest topic and the most taboo and the least talked about, right? Money. Second, they had absolutely no prep. They didn't know, they knew what we were going to talk about, but they didn't know any of the questions. They didn't know, they didn't have any, any prep whatsoever. And third, being so early in the game, because we recorded this episode before all of our three subsequent uh, subsequent meetings, we didn't know each other yet. We didn't know each other. I mean, I knew Francisca. I knew I'd, I'd interacted with Hani and Barry, but on a not we never really worked together or other than coordinating our schedules and coming up with the idea, we really hadn't done much. And so we hadn't developed yet the same chemistry and the love for hanging out together that we came to develop over time. I mean, to tell you that our closure on our fourth show together over at the Woman of Valor podcast was so bittersweet. It's really not an understatement. We totally wanted to stay talking to each other so much more. So all that to say that despite all that, I am so incredibly proud of what they did here, Hani, Barry, and Francisca. Um, I'm so proud of them for having done this in such an awesome way, as you'll hear. You'll, and, and you'll hear also that there was very little feedback from me. Um, in some ways, I feel like I... I threw them under the bus because, as I said before, it is a difficult topic. Um, but also because because this was our first gathering together, uh, it was tricky for me to manage how much to add to the conversation. Um, one, because I needed to be mindful of the audio tracks and not to speak over them, otherwise you can't hear them well. And also because I needed to be mindful of the time. I wanted everybody to have enough time to really um, contribute. So, but I think that you know where I stand on many of these questions that I asked the ladies. And if not, I'm happy to share and talk more about this on future episodes. And the truth is, I am so, so thrilled with what you're about to hear the entire conversation, because despite that my 
guests are younger than I am, and in some cases, a lot younger than I am. These women have their head on straight when it comes to money. We talk about spending, we talk about saving, earning, how do we manage money within our marriage, lessons learned, tzedakah, and more. My guests were very honest, and as you'll soon hear, very relatable. Here's Connie Erin Troy, Barry Mitzman, and Francisca. And Francisca, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. What a pleasure. Thank you. It's Thank so you. Fun. It's so fun doing this. We're doing this cross-hosting, cross-visiting series where we're going to be talking, 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 because I guess talking behind the mic is one of our favorite pastimes. By the way, who's the mastermind? Who do I give credit for this wonderful idea? Barry. 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 That's me. <laughs> Barry, thank you for this amazing idea. Um, were we supposed to bring our boxing gloves? <laughs> Really, it was just like all of us reaching out to each other like, hey, let's do a crossover. Like, I go on yours, you go on mine, we'll talk to each other, you're great, you're great. And I was like, why don't we all just do this together and have a series of like all of us on each other's podcasts, like a meeting of the minds, if you will. I love it. And the minute you told me about it, I knew exactly what I wanted to talk to about because it's one of my favorite topics and it seems to be one of my audience's favorite topics, money. So you're ready for this? Do we need do we need tissues or do we need boxing gloves? What do we need? We might need I'm, I'm not sure. This is Hani from Boss Madel. This topic actually scares me. I'm sure it scares a lot of women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So this should be interesting. Yeah. Francisca not- here. I'm very excited. I am here. You know what? Boxing gloves. I think I brought a notebook. I'm going to take notes. So. Take notes. Uh-huh. <laughs> How about you, Barry? What do you think? <laughs> I slightly nervous being that um, my side gig, if you will, is um, being an Instagram blogger, influencer, if you will, who does promote uh, consumerism. Yet at the same time, I don't, I don't really practice consumerism as much. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to be mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. By the way, when was the last time you guys talked about money with anyone? It's not, it's not exactly cocktail party conversation. Hey, nice to meet you. Like, how much do you make? How, how much do you have saved in your IRA? What's your credit card debt? <laughs> when was the last time you talked about money? I actually spoke to, um, I work with a coach. Uh, usually I try to do it weekly. And we had this conversation because I am your typical creative. I have an interior design business. I'm all about the portfolio, the photos, the referrals. Um, and I'm a bit of a mess when it comes to the financial side. <laughs> and we were talking about this. And I was saying how, you know, it scares me. And she said, well, you're just not looking at it the right way. If something scares you or gives you a bad taste, you're looking at it from the wrong point of view, which I found really interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How about you guys, Francisca Barry? When was the last, last combo you had about money? Well, Francisca here. I happen to bring this up on our podcast a lot because people have this idea of, oh, you're a singer or, oh, you have a dance school or a vocal school. Obviously, that's how you're supporting yourself. And speaking to these women, and I got emotional on one of the last episodes. This is, I was sure she was making it in. I mean, she is as professional as it gets. She's like, I can't. I mean, if, if we break even, that's a success. And mm-hmm. so we talk about money a lot there. I have, as you, we talked about this before, I really wanted to start a financial podcast, like a Dave Ramsey for the firm community. But I think you, um, you really decided to take this 
head uh, on. Fledged. I know I, I got derailed with other side projects, which I'm very excited about. So um, I think it's always on my mind. I find that also a bit oxymoronish because I'm an artist, but then I'm always thinking about money. It never goes away. Hmm. So I think I speak a lot more than I'd like to about the finances. That's not a bad thing. How about you, Barry? Uh, so for me, I uh, speak to my husband about it constantly. Um, he and I discuss um, money and plans and things like that. And he's really taught me a lot because I used to be an emotional spender, like mm -hmm. big time, big time. And now it's just funny because the way my, my mindset shifted and yet, um, you know, this, this craving for shopping and, and buying and spending and, and all these things um, just went away. But then also like life comes in and it's like, okay, well then we have babysitting and we have, can we afford, you know, cleaning help and the Yom Tov, like Yom Tov's coming up. Right. You know, that's also something really like stressful, but my husband and I talk about it all the time. Um, where are we holding? Where do we want to be? How much money can I use to treat myself to a massage this month? You know, uh, <laughs> it, it's part of our, uh, our monthly routine. Was that always like that in your marriage or did something happen to, to change it, to make it like that? Which is an amazing, amazingly positive thing, by the way, but it's hardly that I find younger people who are doing it. Well, when we first got married, I actually um, was diagnosed a couple weeks after our wedding with Lyme disease, and I was stuck in our cramped little apartment, um, really sad about life, and I was spending so much money that like I shouldn't have been. Um, you know, we didn't really have a money talk just yet, and my husband's like, "Is this going to be my life?" Where like hundreds upon hundreds of dollars are being spent every month with like Amazon boxes coming our door? Like, is is this what my life's going to be? And um, he tells me this now, you know, four years later, but he started listening to, to some audiobooks and he started reading things and started sharing some of the ideas with me and like started teaching, like redefining what wealth was um, for me. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that like having money necessarily meant that like you didn't immediately buy the nicest car once you had it, or it didn't mean you didn't like run and buy, you know, the designer bag, if that's where you're at, you know, like investing and real estate and, and having emergency savings and all these things. My husband's very passionate about it because life changes all the time. And like I, my job is, you know, volatile being a, being a social media content creator. And, and then I, I have another job to at least have constant income. And my husband works in uh, web development, digital marketing and all those things. And that's also dependent on gigs. So mm -hmm. like safety nets are something that, you know, we're, we're very into, but it was a development thing. And I think that our relationship is, is a lot better. And it shows that we, that we've definitely improved our communication. What about you guys? Do you talk to your husbands often about money? Like in, at least in a, in what would quote unquote a healthy way? <laughs> it's funny, you know, um, at least now I can explain to him, I think, why I was so hesitant to do so in the beginning of our marriage. Mm. You know, um, I grew up on Susie Orman books where she was always yelling mm -hmm. at you, if you bought a Starbucks coffee, you're so, you know, you were financially irresponsible and you were terrible. And that <laughs> did not speak to me. I love my Starbucks coffee. And mm. I think nowadays there's so much more um, 
out there. There's so much more resources, information. Um, I listen to podcasts by Linda P. Jones, and she's really fun, and she's got a great energy, and no one's yelling at me. So mm-hmm. I am now so much more open to it than I was, say, you know, 12 years ago. Um, I think we're often scared by what we don't know, or what we don't understand. Right. And it was something I didn't really understand. So in the beginning, that was definitely an issue with us. As I got a little more familiar with it, um, it definitely has gotten easier. And uh, yes, we do discuss it. Uh, but I still have some work to do. I'll be honest. Do you feel like he had a head start in terms of financial literacy? Ahead of, like, Yes, it was also the way we were raised. Um, he was raised where he had to really, you know, uh, work as a teenager to buy his own things. He went to law school at a young age. I was the youngest of five. By that point, my parents were like, oh, you need to buy toothpaste. Here's $25. You know, it was a very different mindset. And that really affects the way you look at something. That's a lot of toothpaste. (laughs) No. Well, so now you understand like where I just did not have this clear concept of, you know, A plus B equals C. So Yeah. What about you, Francisca? So it's, I feel like I grew up with a sense of independence. I'm not sure if it was instilled by my parents or it's self-inflicted. But I was, by the time I got married, I was covering most of my expenses on my own. Mm. I mean, I thank my parents for everything they've covered and they really, you know, they, they, they were supporting me, but I was already covering a lot of things on my own. So when we did get married, I was the one supporting us. A very cola-like lifestyle, but not mm-hmm. exactly. And then quickly retransitioned. So I remember this time in our marriage where it went from me worrying about the bills to him saying, you know, how about we talk about this so we could share the emotional burden of financial stress so it's not you having panic attacks. Well, I don't know if I actually had panic attacks, but for you having this emotional anxiety from the finances. And I just that one conversation lifted so much off my back. And I I would love to say that now he carries most of the financial burden, even though I definitely carry the stress. So we share the stress, at least even though he primarily supports this uh, arrangement here. Yeah. Can I chime in for a sec? Mm -hmm. Very. Um, I just realized while we're talking about this with this whole um, money thing, I, I didn't know when the shift was, but like, I just remembered that that one shift of when we actually started talking to each other about it. I remember my husband got like a gift from, I don't know, maybe a birthday, something. He got like a few hundred dollars in the mail on a check. And my gut reaction was, Ooh, what are we going to spend this on? And his response was, I'm actually going to put this into savings or like, or something like I'm going to pay off bills. And I got like really sad. <laughs> and then we ended up having a conversation because it used to really bother me when I'd be like, I, I would get money and be like, Ooh, what should we get? And he'd be like, Oh, now I don't have to worry about paying this bill. And I'm just like, but I want a shaitel or, but I want, you know, a new pair of shoes. And then we, we ended up getting into a discussion and he ended up, you know, sharing what he read with me. And then I read and, and it kind of transformed. But I remember that moment. That was fun for our show and bias. Yeah. So Barry's kind of like me, a recovering spender <laughs> turned, turned into saver. Oh, <laughs> what about, I'll, what I'll about join you guys. I'll yeah? join you guys. Recover I love to shop. <laughs> well, I shop for a living. 
It's very hard. Oh. It's very hard. When you I'm, shop with other people's money. Correct. But it's hard then to stop at that. So if I'm doing a late night shopping spree online for furniture and there's a Labor Day sale, it's very hard for me to say, no, we're stopping. Like this is for this client and it's not for me. It's hmm. difficult. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Francisca? You're not a spender, are you? Uh, I, I think it's impossible. I mean, I have a daughter who I just bought her the new season of clothing. She's two. Oh, gosh. And she doesn't like anything I got her. And I can't return some of the things. I mean, I could return it. I just won't get the money back. Oh. So I just have to buy her a bunch of dresses I don't think are as adorable as the other cute outfits I got her from one more <laughs> from a nicer place. But I think she. I'm just going to have to go with what she wanted, wants to wear. So I definitely have a lot of spending I'm doing, but it's. I, I wouldn't. I think I have more self-control than than what you're talking about, even though I definitely have the desire all the time. Like my Facebook, the last few days, every time I'm scrolling, I, I somehow end up on these fashion websites, like one after or Wayfair, and I don't even realize it's happening. And then my cart's like at 15, and but then I leave. I get a text message from our WhatsApp chat, you know? You know, it's... um. It's funny that you you mentioned that about the kids and maybe I'm going to sound super old here or just maybe it has to do with the fact that I'm a Gen Xer or something or maybe I'm a money nerd or but um, I didn't grow up in an orthodox environment and and over the years one of the things as I've been more obviously I've been in this lifestyle over well over a decade and I'm married well over a decade as well um, but one of the things I notice is and this could be because I had my own financial awakenings, um, is that people tend to spend a lot of money on like their kids and things. And there's a lot of credit card swiping. And I'm always wondering like one minute, where's like, I could do the math, like where's the emergency fund and where's the, you know, where's the, where's the discipline? Is there any discipline? And I sometimes worry. I know it sounds like I'm talking like a bubby, but like I sometimes worry about the younger generation, do they even know that this could be a, you know, they're, they, they need to learn to be a little bit more financial, you know, financially prudent and how, what it could do to their marriage and so on and so forth. Cause buying a hundred dollar pair of shoes for your three-year-old is probably not the smartest thing to do. <laughs> Disclaimer there. I never, I never spent that money on my daughter yet. I'm sure you did it. <laughs> but, um, so for me, it's simple. I'm 26, just to, to give the generation here. Uh, we tried tr- credit cards. So I grew up in Moscow, no concept of credit cards. Everything's cash, just like South America, probably. I don't know what it's like now. But um, you spend what you have. And that's how I really spend. I never really did credit cards. I got credit cards just to build my credit. And now even I hate credit cards because you just end up in this hamster wheel. And I, I can't, it gives me so much anxiety having a bill. So they don't work for us. Barry here. I have to, I have to um, agree with you, Yael. It's funny because being somebody whose job is on social media and doing fashion blogging and things like that, I do receive a lot of materialistic items um, in as a form of payment or as a form of like for promotion plus payment. And yet I, I, I can have so many clothes and, and my daughter, oh my God, her drawers are exploding. But 
at the same time, if there's that one sweater that I, nobody's volunteering to send me and I still want it. And it's like that one sweater. I think also there's, there is this concept of retail therapy where sometimes buying something gives you that aha, like euphoric um, surge that you're looking for, or whether it's also receiving a package in the mail that gives you that like little blip of satisfaction. Um, but I do think that like when, let's say when my daughter, you know, grows out of something, I'm like, oh, why did she have to get bigger? That outfit was so cute. Can't buy another one. Um, I, I definitely think that there is a, there is a uh, larger issue at hand because of um, not necessarily spending, but because if somebody's in that position and they can, and they, they have the resources, you know, and that's what fulfills them, great. But mm -hmm. I don't, fully believe that that is the majority of people, you know, who also have the savings and also have tuition covered and also are able to, you know, manage all the other finances. Yeah, Tanya, I'm going to, I'm going to add something to that because I totally agree. I also think there definitely is an element of keeping up with the Joneses mm -hmm. um, that is very prevalent in the Orthodox community. And the I don't like community. to make generalizations. Uh, and I don't like to be critical, but it is something that we do struggle with. Uh, it was very interesting when I interned for a designer who was not Jewish. I noticed that a lot of her clients, while very wealthy, would spend money on um, experiences and not so much on the it bag or the it shoe. Um, and I'm wondering if perhaps people were a little more open to um, finding happiness in other things, um, whether it's joining a book club or, or, or their passion about their career or, or whatever it may be, obviously that doesn't take away from what you have to buy. But I find that sometimes it can be just almost like an emptiness that is filled with buying the it bag, the it shoe, the, you know, and I, I people might not agree with this, but that's something that I have noticed. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like there's a distortion of the value system and Correct. Think, and, 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 and you know what? In Judaism, at the end of the day, Judaism has, should be informing, um, all aspects of our lives. And I think how we think and behave around money, it's, it's, it's an important area that Judaism should be informing. Um, and those values, like Barry mentioned, you know, your children's Jewish education and what the, what, what, what that cost, you know, and you have to weigh those, what's important to you, right? You have to make those choices based on those financial choices based on your value system and going back to, like you mentioned, keeping up with the Joneses, but taking a step back and going back to what are really our Jewish values, you know, is it all about keeping up with the Joneses or is it about the education and investing in my marriage and in my experiences and so on and so forth. Yes. And just to clarify, a hobby is not what's going to solve your spending issues. But the idea is like what you're saying is give yourself a fuller environment, you know, try to find your own sense with other things other than what you are wearing or what your child is wearing. So if you're proud of an accomplishment, if you're proud of starting something, a podcast, a blog, if you volunteer, you know, those things can really um, even out, I guess, you know, how people perceive you and how you perceive yourself. So separate from what you're buying or, or you know, I guess that's what I'm trying to make. I'd like to add to that because I was thinking I sort of excluded myself because – 
I, I do not exclude myself. Everything you were talking about, that retail therapy or what the, the feeling when the package comes, I get that totally. But when you were talking about your passion or the career aspect, like I am, I get that when I, when I have an opportunity to spend something or it's my birthday or something like that, like I want that next music video or I want to invest in growing my Instagram account or I'd like a photo shoot. So for me professionally or my hobby, that's where I, I have less control in spending the money. It's always being spent. Uh, So that I think that's where, so that's where I get that out. I think it's very, um, I think, when it comes to keeping up with the Joneses, or as I like to call them, the Goldbergs, um, I think it also depends on where you live. Um, I live in Nevada, which literally I grew up in, in Brooklyn, New York, in Flatbush. And when I moved to Muncie for my first year of marriage, I thought I was moving out of town. <laughs> okay. And now I live in Henderson, Nevada. We are the ones that dress like New Yorkers. We're not keeping up with anybody. And at the same time, you know, my, my closet ends up being like a thrift shop because the stuff where I'm just like, I'm not wearing this. This is no longer sparking joy, if you will. That goes into a closet. And then community members just come on over and go shopping. And everybody in Shul talks about what of various items they're wearing. And it's just very funny because the culture here is not that of, you know, getting that bag. If I... My daughter gets like jokes because she wears pom-poms on her head. Like me wearing a Gucci bag, like, haha, like, what are you doing? Um, that's not something that, that is, you know, valued in our community. So I think it also depends on where you live um, that those values, you know, measure up. But it's interesting that you said about the experiences, um, Hani, Hani, right? Mm-hmm. You said about the experiences because now I'm like, ooh, you know, like my husband and I are like, okay, one day we're going to go on a cruise, you know, <laughs> mind you, all of our trips that we ever planned on doing with each other ever have gotten canceled. But like one day we will go on a cruise. And that's something that's like our goal, not a bag, not shoes, not clothes, but a cruise. If anybody has any hookups with cruises, by the way, you know, holler at me. <laughs> you know, very often, um, and somebody brought this up a little bit um, earlier, maybe it was Francisca, but our, our experiences as children and growing up shape, oh, actually, it was it was Hani about the being the youngest and being given $25 for toothpaste. My parents, <laughs> right? I just, they don't hear this podcast, let me tell you. <laughs> no, but seriously, like all these experiences these very early experiences kind they do shape how we think and how we behave around money as adults so is there something that you learned growing up or an experience a point in experience that you remember that you think has a lot to do with how you are with money today or I think first of all um I grew up in Montreal which is um Back when I grew up, it was it was a very simple community. I mean, you know, going to the Gap to get a sweatshirt was like, wow. Um, I then lived in New York and then Bell Harbor and then Los Angeles. Um, and wow, I've seen quite a bit <laughs> in that time. It's difficult to sometimes stay true to my roots. And I know that probably sounds like I'm contradicting myself because I told you I got $25 for toothpaste. And yet I did grow up in a a more simpler environment where there were different values. Um, it's been hard to kind of, you know, stay true to that. 
Uh, the other issue I think I have, which is not really um, related to my childhood, but what I do, and I've heard a lot of designers say this, when you do something that you love, but it seems so easy to you. So for me, choosing paint colors or wallpaper, I could do it in my sleep. You almost feel guilty about the idea of, wow, I just had a great time and now I'm going to charge this person A, B, and C. Really? I'm worthy of that? It's so simple. Anyone can do it. It's a, it's a paint color. Um, but when that's your, your business and that's what you're relying on, you really have to work through that self-doubt. So I know I'm kind of going off, you know, direction with your question, but I think it's, um, those two have been real struggles for me, you know, coming from where I came from and then also doing what I do now and trying to really feel worthy of creating a successful, you know, feasible business. I could totally relate to, to what you said. It's so hard when we, we, it's almost like one minute, like, this is so natural to me. Am I really supposed to be making, making money doing this? <laughs> but we are. Um, what about you guys? Any, any, any other, any childhood experiences that marked you? Um, Childhood, I'm not sure, but I know uh, when I was dating that um, one of the things that became uh, a priority in uh, looking for a husband was somebody who was ready and willing to assume responsibilities and work hard. Because, um, like, when guys would be impressed by the fact that I paid for my own lease, I'm like, yeah, mommy and daddy aren't paying for my lease like while we're at a steak dinner on the first date type, um, it, it didn't really impress me. But I guess because deep down, I knew that it, w- it was a possibility that like financial standings change and different resources that you once had won't be there forever. So to have somebody who is going to be responsible um, with money and resu- uh, re- like assuming different responsibilities, like, oh, you know, doing your own laundry or, you know, paying your own bills um, was something that I found really important. Um, True, it ended up becoming like an awakening for me, um, being like, oh, hey, we should have savings accounts. And I'm like, but I don't want to. Um, (laughs) But I really know it's for my own good. So it definitely helped change my mindset. And I guess that I knew even then, you know, deep down what I really wanted and what I really value. Cool. It's hard for me to think of something, but I think I just came up with a moment in my life. So I I think my older sister was the saver and I was the spender. Any money I earned, and I earned money from a very young age that I somehow was able to sell anything to my friends from notebooks to snacks. I was selling things to my friends since I was, you know, in first grade. So as I was going to seminary and I was going to leave the home for the first time, people started teasing me by people. I mean, an older sibling. (laughs) Oh, when she has a credit card, you know, what's going to be with her? She's the spender. And I guess I took it really close to heart because either, well, I I didn't have a credit card, but also I kept track of every every single thing I spent the entire year. I had this notebook. And it was almost obsessive, but I needed to prove that I wasn't going to overspend or take advantage. We're going to talk about positive things in a minute. I want to talk about money wins, financial wins, but let's talk about greatest money failures to date. Um, what have been your great, like what, what has been a big failure, which of course I'm sure it's been also a lesson because most, most of these boo-boos are, um, are usually here to teach us something, but what's been one that you say, whoa, that was like, oh. Uh, I guess I'll start. Um, I think when I first started my business, it was a real jobby, which is like a hobby slash job. 
I did not take it as seriously as I should have, but I spent a lot of time away from my family working on it. So, you know, setting up a proper business with contracts, with billing hours, and um, really uh, making my clients understand what happens. What if a shipment comes in, it's the wrong color? Who pays for the shipping fee back or the restocking fee? There's all these little logistics that I did not think about. It took me a couple of years to really find my footing. Um, and again, that's something that's not taught in design school. It's all about the paint colors. And a lot of creatives, I think, struggle with this. Yeah. Francisco, right you. Okay, so I think I got involved in every multi-level marketing companies that were there. Serious? And my mother gave me the money for the first one. I probably was 17. Uh, that was, you know, a boo-boo. Now I, I get the red flag and I'm like, stay far away from that. I cannot sell energy or, you know, makeup or whatever. And <laughs> I still get recruited for stuff. Uh, but keeping myself from signing up from anything new, like, oh, this will change your life. It will, this will give you financial freedom. It comes back to, I want to do music. I want to do anything related to music, the arts. Um, what was the question again? Financial failure. Oh, a real big one. Uh, Rich dad, poor dad. I read the book. We called up. We signed up. Our whole savings we threw into it. I don't remember what it was. We got our money back. But in general, I view every financial loss or mistake as an opportunity not just to learn, but potentially to get something back. For example, we got the money back there, but I once we, we were... I I don't know if it was scammed or somehow I signed this uh, lease or a car deal. And then they called me back. They said, Oh, we just needed to sign a few more papers that we forgot. Really. They did not explain how it it wasn't a 0% finance or whatever it was. It was like a 3%. So it was a finance of a vehicle. And then I ended up fighting, fighting. That was after reading a book, getting more, which changed my life. But, uh, I probably fought for a year and a half. The dealership changed management. I ended up getting $1,500 credit toward a new vehicle that I could use for 10 years. So, and I've, I've used that many times. You know, if there's a mess up or if there's a financial loss, somehow, thank God, I'm able to work something out where I still could get value from it. Uh, so to make it not such a big loss. <laughs> I, I don't take, you know, failure or no for an answer. Mm-hmm. And in corporate America, beautifully enough, Amazon, they have amazing policies. Like if you could really prove that they were in the wrong, I'm not saying take advantage, but I'm saying if you were really wrong, there's usually, unless you're the, you're the service provider and then the customer is always right. But if you're on the purchasing end, then there's definitely room to fix the failures, the boo-boos. What are you by? Any big financial mistakes? I I think... The financial mistake, the one big one is a sum of many small ones. And it is summed up in two words, final sale. (laughs) Anything that is final sale is an impulse buy most likely because it is a flash sale. Mm -hmm. And you don't look into it and you think it's going to be perfect. And it's, it, it could have been $20, but you know, doing that, you know, a few hundred times really does add up. And looking at the fine print and becoming an educated consumer and his questions like, do I really need this? Are there enough things in my closet for it to look nice? Have I bought from them before? You know, does this shade look nice on me? Like there's a lot of impulse buys. It's things 
where I, I've, I've resold things from my closet that have new with tags mm-hmm. and they get it for like 10% of what I paid for it because impulse buy final sale, magic words. Some of many losses, which I've mm-hmm. learned are just not worth it. What about, what about money wins, guys? Any big fi- money, any, many money wins, any proud moments you said, now I'm really rocking it. That was a great decision or I'm doing great or. Well, I remember early on, um, we went as a family to Ikea and um, we, we filled our carts with God knows what, because that's Ikea. <laughs> but uh, we got to the cash register and I pulled out my card and I'm like, mommy's got this. And just for my boys to see that, um, it was really important for me. So not necessarily does every woman have to work and have to be, you know, have their own card from their business, but just for children to see a woman who is capable, who can pay for things, who I think it's very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other win that I had, and this is more of an emotional component, but they'd asked my son's class, second grade class, what are your mother's values? I mean, he could have said like napping and reading historical novels and thank God he didn't say that or, but what he did say was um, helping people and making beautiful things, which oh. is what I do. And so I, I feel like what I do is so, you know, intertwined into my life that, that even he could notice that, that, and I can do it and make money. And to me, that's like, wow, that's, that keeps me really proud. Granted, I have my bad days. Let's, let's be real. I have weeks where I'm like, why am I working in this business? But for the most part, that keeps me really proud. Francisca, financial wins. Well, anytime I get not a deal, but a win in one of the cases I, I mentioned earlier, for example, when I win over what I thought I'd lost, mm. that's a huge win for me. I recently had that with an insurance company. But um, another win is, and it's related to what Khani said, when I, when I give a quote on a performance or a concert and then they say yes, very rarely do I get a yes. Almost never. Usually it's, what? <laughs> Can we work something out? Who do you think you are? Getting a yes is just, wow, OMG, <laughs> somebody said yes to my price. Because there's no handbook on, you know, this kind of performance, this kind of work, this amount of life input <laughs> into your work equals this amount of money. Mm-hmm. So that's a big win. So it's related a lot to what it's validation for your creative jobby. I love that word jobby. Barry financial wins. I guess when I'm able to earn and then use that money responsibly, whether that's, you know, me, like what I do is I, I'm in charge usually if I'm too stressed out about it, my husband's like, nobody put you in charge. You're the only person that put you in charge of this stuff. But um, when I place myself in charge of um, grocery shopping and my line treatment, because that stuff is expensive, okay? These little drops are like a hundred bucks a bottle, like no joke. So when I'm able to, you know, do that and notice that that those things are, you know, valued or important, or I'm able to save up and put put money into savings or save up and buy something nice for my husband who does not spend on himself. And the gifts that he wants are things that like he's actually going to use, like buying him a, a jacket that he's been using for the past four years and is like the only jacket he wears. You know, <laughs> I take pride in that where I'm like, oh, that was your birthday present that you still wear. You know, being able to get him like a beautiful suit because like he still has his wedding suit and like Bar Hashem, he does not fit into it anymore. Um, 
because he's he was this like string bean of a dude who like skipped meals. <laughs> so being able to number one earn the money, whether it's through you know my job at you know private tutoring or through content creation, and then being able to allocate that as I see fit, um, in a way that I think is responsible. Um, makes me feel really good. You know, we talked a lot about spending and we talked about earning just now a little bit. And we sort of mentioned savings at the beginning. Um, Other than just um, having the discipline to save, anybody is um, investing or is that something that your husbands are taking care of? Is that something that happens jointly? What's what's with that part of the equation? Uh, Well, for us, I think that kind of stalled a bit when we bought our house. Um, Mm -hmm. We actually don't own our our full duplex. We own part of our duplex. Uh, The housing in Los Angeles is ridiculous. And it was either buy a house or move out because putting all that money to rent every month just did not make any sense. So that's kind of where um, our biggest, scariest challenge was. Um, And by some miracle, we managed to pull it off. But that has kind of that, and I'll be very honest, uh, tuition and the cost of a firm lifestyle. And I just would love if someday, I mean, there's certain things we all have to do um, and certain things that some of us do. Like, for example, some of us cover our hair in the Orthodox community. Um, wigs are really expensive, owning multiple wigs, uh, multiple tuition, yearly tuition uh, payments, um, kosher food. Um, so, it's challenging and I wish there was a way as a community we could come together and figure out how we can make certain things a little more affordable because again, these are not luxuries. These, these are things that we have to do no matter what. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's definitely a thought that comes up when you say savings. I'm like, Oh boy, these young couples, all these young couples, how are we supposed to do it? It's true. And I'm so happy you brought it up. I just recently had a listener who wrote in that question. She's like, yeah, El, how do people do it? We are sending kids off to high school and seminary. How am I going to marry them off? Like we both work. We, you know, we don't live extravagantly. We just put everything into those values, you know? And I don't think there's a concrete answer other than trust in God. <laughs> yes. And the other issue is also coming from Canada. Um, and trying to understand the whole Medicare system in America. And I'm very, I'm sure you understand this. If, if someone is completely in the box in terms of health and they see their doctor once a year, they're fine. If you need any additional services, you need to see specialists. And I have that with my son. Um, it can get so expensive so fast. There is not enough support. So that's another issue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anybody else have something to call in? Yeah. I'm just going to add on to that. Like, when I got sick with Lyme for the first time, um, all of our wedding money went into treatment. We have none of our wedding money left. But that also was like a little bit of a wake-up call for us. I'm like, oh, let's go on vacation with our wedding money. I was like, what wedding money are you talking about? We don't have that anymore. <laughs> because there are some things that specialists or you know, different diseases or illnesses are totally out of pocket if you want adequate care. Um, savings um at the end of the year we put money um in in a roth um however much we can and um that's a savings for us um that i guess grows um 
further than that, I'm not sure exactly what my husband does with it. Just because, not because, you know, he doesn't want me to know, but like, I don't want to ask him because I just, I don't care. Uh, (laughs) I honestly don't care enough to like truly understand it. And I know, and I believe that he's responsible. Uh, But like further than that, he like tried to explain it to me once and I like my brain kind of exploded. Um, But we also have this um, emergency savings fund, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in case something happens and one of us can't work for a period of time, that it would cover, you know, a certain amount of time of expenses for us without us having to like make a complete shift in our life very quickly. Like we wouldn't have to necessarily take my daughter out of, out of playgroup or, you know, move to a smaller house or whatever it is. Um, but to be able to have that to fall back on, you know, God forbid, just in case. By the way, that makes me so proud to know that you're so young and you already have that in place. <laughs> it took us many, many years to realize that that needed to happen. So yay for you. <laughs> really <laughs> yay for my husband. But I do yay for me because I actually listened and he's very appreciative. So he yays me too. So I'll pat myself on the back for that one too. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. Oh, you know what? You're right. That makes a lot of sense. Let's do that. So our circumstances were that we didn't have uh, kids right away in our marriage. And that gave us a lot of extra discretionary income, as you'd say. And I'm, I, I'm very into the money and pay yourself first and Susie mm-hmm. Orman and Dave Ramsey. So I started my uh, retirement account before we started my husband's. And we try to keep up with that. And I I think that as now I have one child, we have one child, but I think as the expenses grow and the need for tuition and feeding a bigger family or needing a bigger home, like we were pretty good about keeping our expenses as low as possible for as long as possible. So I think we're, we might have to adjust things as as we go because those from like we we would latch on for yantif or shabbos whenever we can we'd go somewhere else like we really kept expenses as low as possible for as long as we can and i think as we have to adjust into the reality of from lifestyle we might have to adjust as well with savings but i'm also hoping and praying that income will rise as well so we could offset that Mm -hmm. and not have to compromise on savings Mm-hmm. Can, well, I add, I, can I add yeah. one more thing? Sorry, just about um, uh, just the philosophy in, in uh, the Jewish Orthodox circles. Um, we do have tremendous charities. So I didn't mention that there are great charities for families that can afford. What I do wish, though, is that we don't always we don't only sorry, help the families that literally cannot pay for food, which they need to be helped. And it's great that there are charities. But even the younger couples, if there were tools, if there were workshops, if there were mentorship programs to get people to start growing their wealth or saving up from their early 20s, I think we could avoid a lot of problems. Yeah, yeah. Even even starting early on. I mean, did anybody learn a lot of this in high school or seminary? It wasn't taught, right? No, the only way I learned it is I was left paying my own bills. We learned it really fast, you know? Right. <laughs> there were, no one was depositing money into our bank account. Right. What about my sir guys? What about Sadaka accounts? How strict are you with with what they say in English tithing? But let's just call it my sir because that's really the, the right word. That question frustrates me to no end. I'll tell you why. Tell my me. husband, since before we got married, he's a twenty percent guy. He's not a ten percent guy. He's a twenty percent guy. And let me tell you, 
when I make <laughs> my tutoring money <laughs> and then I deduct babysitting and then I have to deduct 20%, oh, mama, does that hurt? <laughs> it is a, a, a kick to my ego where I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, this is just not worth it. But it, it's kind of cool that now I've built it in because um, this is what my husband does. And my husband is a big believer, you know, is a big, big believer that God takes care of us financially. And, you know, I don't, I just leave it to him again. Cause like, if I knew how much like he gave to my sir, I'm like, Oh my God. Um, and it's not like we're rolling in it. So it's just like, it's so scary for me. Um, but I already calculate it. So when I have rates for different, um, promotions or different ads or things, I already know I have to charge X amount because this is how much I want after, after 20%. This is how much I want after my sir. Um, so I actually have that built into my calculation system at this point. Um, do I encourage everybody to give 20%? No. Um, I'm doing it, <laughs> you know, because my husband's a big believer in it. Um, if it really made me uncomfortable, he wouldn't make me do do 20%. It's just something that I was like, you know what, this, this may be a mindset that I need to get into. And the truth is, that may be what has saved us, you know. We're a family of four um, and we've have never received support and the fact that we are where we are and we're able to, you know, get by and have, have something on the side just in case it really goes to show that, you know, my husband knows what he's doing, that God knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. So I'll answer next. Um, okay. So my husband is careful with my sir, but there is one point I'd like to, to bring out with Sedaka in general charity, um, especially for young families or, or, people that are find themselves in a situation where they are really strapped. There are so many ways of giving Sedeka, uh, not necessarily through money. So making a meal for someone who had a baby, volunteering at your kid's school. Um, I've done some pro bono work. So I know that a lot of my peers, we get very stressed when we get, you know, invites for dinners or donate to this or donate to that. And we want to give, we really do, but our lifestyle is very expensive and sometimes we really feel squeezed. So I want to encourage women to to not, you know, get discouraged, but find other ways of giving charity as well. Nice point. Francesca? Beautiful point. This is a very hard question. Uh, speaking of childhood and certain patterns, uh, I've always, be, before I'd spend the money, I always separated the 10%. I actually never met anyone who does 20%. Uh, as I mean, I've met people who are extremely wealthy who probably do 20%, but, the, but I, I've never met like the the tight budgeted people who do 20%. So it's an honor to meet you, Barry. But um, it, so it's very, you know, God gave, is giving us a certain amount of money decided on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, and that's not my money to spend. So it's sort of like a rule and I, it's not my money to spend. I cannot say that it's easy. However, I do try to spend it, um, it in the ways that give, give something to me that give me something in return, certain organizations that I believe in or that supported me in the past. So anything that I have an emotional connection to or supporting institutions that my parents have, you know, sacrificed their lives to build or in-laws or grandparents. 
So just adding meaning to where the money's going and not just putting it into a pushka and not knowing where it's going to go. So I feel like that adds a lot of meaning into my life. And so I try to make it work. It's not easy, but it's, it's not my money to spend. So mm -hmm. that's how I look at it. Yeah, it was never our money in the first place, right? Let's do, guys, you've been amazing. So many insights here. Let's do an abridged and modified version of the JLP fill in the blanks, uh, colored by our conversation on money today, shall we? This is the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open-ended sentence, and you're going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? All right, so the first one is, and just jump at it, whoever wants to go first. I define money as black and white hmm. an opportunity to live and give sorry so i i feel hilarious right now because now i know what i what i've been waiting to buy it's like i feel like money is and in my head i'm just like new shoes but <laughs> but really uh, that's where my head is clearly um really money is just on whether fortunately or unfortunately it's a life source when i give tzedakah i like to give to tom Shabbos. nice how about you francisca well, organizations that are meaningful to me emotionally, and there are so many of them. Barry? Things we've thoroughly researched. Honestly, Can I just my add? My husband and I are very particular to know where the money is going and how it's going to be spent. So right. if it's Hamatora, we look into the school in depth. If it's, you know, we, we actually want to, in the future, save up some Meister money and do like a financial um, planning like sponsor a financial planning seminar in our community, um, which hopefully can happen. Um, but also sometimes, you know, for individuals, depending on what they need, you know, I'll ask, you know, can I spend MICER money on X for so-and-so? And if the answer is yes, then, you know, getting that done somehow in a way that like it gets to them. But yeah, thorough research. <laughs> Francisca, you wanted to add something? Yes. I don't remember. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> we'll go back to Oh, you. oh, so it's better. There's this idea. It's better to give less, but to more people. So you're always giving. So when I said organizations, it's not because I'm writing checks to, you know, large checks to all these places. It's because I like to constantly give smaller if we can, like whenever somebody approaches, I'm able to give something. So I just wanted to clarify that for anyone who's going to be approaching me <laughs> to donate. <laughs> Speaking of charities, I just want to add, um, this has not been done yet. It was a concept that I was talking to someone about who had mentioned the importance of therapy for many people, for either it's marriage or if they had a child who had difficulties or if they themselves had difficult childhood and therapy can be really costly and providing some kind of resource for the uh, Jewish community where they can get proper support and mm -hmm. not wait till they're literally falling apart before someone steps in and says, I think you need to see someone. So I just thought that was an interesting concept and I hope that comes into uh, fruition and uh, we can see that happen. That is a great idea. I, I, yeah, I hope that happens too. Yes. All right. One thing I want to teach my children about money is... Don't be afraid of it. It doesn't bite. It's just an energy. So you've got to find your own positive energy, your own sense of abundance, of self-worth, and then go for it. Don't run away from it. I think credit cards, I'm not sure where they're going, but teaching something could only spend what you actually have is an important value today, even though I would like to say save and invest. But um, also money doesn't grow on trees. I think 
I would like to raise my kids, even if I am able to financially provide for them, I want them to know that at a certain point in their life, they're going to be expected to support themselves. And knowing that at a younger age, I think that will help them develop differently, knowing that they're getting into it instead of waking up one day and thinking, oh, that's what everyone does. And sort of that's part of educating your kids. You're preparing them financially as well. I think somehow that this isn't an important Jewish value, <laughs> which is so funny because we're so into Jewish education and we somehow are not able to teach our kids how to financially uh, understand the world. Uh, they're going to have to earn it, whether that's, you know, in the form of uh, work employment um, or in the form of presenting, um, you know, we have, a, we have an older friend that lives here who he says that when his son, um, you know, wanted a computer, he came to him with like spreadsheets and bar graphs and a whole presentation as to why his father should get him a computer and what return he'll see on it. Um, and showing like there's a reason for this and this is why it's going to be good for me and this is why it's purposeful um, does, you know, show some responsibility and some accountability there. Um, I also just don't see us being the whole like, here you go, take it, sure, whatever you want. Um, I think we're just going to, you know, if we, if we have the means for it, you know, show us why and uh, plead your case to work for it somehow. Love it. All right. Finally, today I'm most grateful for this opportunity. I mean, to be here on a Thursday afternoon when I'm usually running around doing my grocery shopping and I get to chat with you guys um, is incredibly uplifting and inspiring. Very related. The people in my life. I think that's I think the people in your life just make your life. So <laughs> if you had different people, it'd be different lives. So I'm really, really, really grateful for the people in my life. And today you are a part of this life. So thank you. <laughs> oh, I feel so superficial. I'm just really happy for coffee today. <laughs> I'm so That's tired. practical. It's very practical. <laughs> I'm so thankful for coffee. <laughs> Spoken like a mother of a young child. There you go. <laughs> Connie, Barry, and Francisca, you've been great. I hope this conversation, it wasn't as scary as it sounded at the beginning, right? How did you guys no. feel? <laughs> thank, you for your, thank you for your honesty. We all appreciate it. Um, and I think this is an important conversation. And I, I love your insights. I, I, and most of all, I, I love the, the candidness and the honesty um, because I think that's what we need a little bit more of or a lot more of. Absolutely. I think sometimes, um, you know, it, it can feel isolating. You feel like you're the only one. So by, by talking with other people and realizing, wow, we're in this together, um, it's, it's really important. So thank you. Since this episode might be reaching a lot more people than we normally reach individually, I'd like to just mention that there are organizations. I know there's more than one, but there's one, Missila. And they have many branches right. in many Jewish communities, and they really have resources. Some are free, some are paid. But it's something catered to Jewish families and situations, and they help people on all levels. Like, if you're not drowning, you could still use them. You don't have to be dying in credit card debt to reach out to them. Yeah, and Masila has a great um, financial literacy curriculum also for high schools. Um, they do great work. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. This was awesome. 
Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks to Hani, Barry, and Francisca for joining us. I look forward to being on their shows, Boss Madel, Woman of Valor, and The Francisca Show. What are those conversations going to be about? You're going to have to go check them out. But it's exciting. You can find all of us on Instagram, of course. Hani is at Boss Madel. Barry is at Barriana. And Francisca is at Francisca Music. So go head over and check those out. And of course, I will let you know when those episodes air. But just stay tuned because it'll definitely be in the next three weeks. I also want to thank all of you who've been flooding my inbox both on Instagram and on um, my email with gratitude and reviews and just letting me know how much the show means to you and how much you enjoy it and how much it's impacted you and I really appreciate it so I'm gonna have to pull up some of those notes and share them here give a shout out to some of you who sent so many nice notes and uh, share some of those messages and reviews and speaking of reviews if you enjoyed this episode and if you're enjoying the show please please go on itunes and leave a review and a rating because that is the best way to let itunes know that this is a show worth listening to that this is a show that you are enjoying and it's a high quality show and they take notice those reviews on itunes really go a very very long way in letting the platform know that they should put us up there in their algorithm and let other people who are searching for content know about the show so thank you very much for being here and i'll take this opportunity to wish you all a shana tova matuka again and a gemar chatima tova Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.